everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Teardown. My name is Jeff Luck, and I'm along with my coworker Jordan Bianchi. We are motorsports writers here at The Athletic, and today we are here to talk about everything that happened this weekend in racing, including the Nashville Super Speedway race, the inaugural cup race there. We weren't able to attend that one, but we watched it from afar. So, of course, as always, we have some opinions about what happened in that race. We'll weigh in on everything uh, else that happened as well, I guess. Uh, So, Jordan, first of all, how's it going today? Always a pleasure. Look forward to this. My favorite, uh, my favorite time of the week. I always enjoy doing the uh, post-race podcast with you. And I think this is, I think this is, I think this, there is actually a lot to talk about in this race, even though the winner, Kyle Larson, it feels like we are running out of things to say. Like, I I don't know what you can say at this point. I mean, he's winning every race. seems like he can win every race. It doesn't matter the track. It, It just feels like it's Kyle Larson's world and we're all living in it. This way, this before the race today, it was like if you would have asked me if I would have taken Kyle Larson on the field, I probably would have said Kyle Larson and felt pretty confident in that pick, and that proved to be the case. It just, it it is incredible what he's doing right now. We, we've seen runs like this before. I mean, Kevin Harvick last year at times looked like this. Um, there's been other times through the years um, where guys have just kind of gone on these runs, but this is this is next level. This is this is starting to really be transcendent to a level of when it's all said and done, are we witnessing one of the all-time great seasons? I mean, and I know it's crazy to say we're 17 races into the year, but it's not far-fetched to think this guy wins 10 races. And I don't know what the championship is going to be. We, we, you know, we don't know with this format. But at the end of the day, when you look at these numbers and the possibilities and the, and the pace he's on, it's incredible. Well, yeah. I mean, when you look at it, it's uh, – and again, we – we've sort of documented every single week on the teardown. Now we just keep adding to it that the previous races before this winning streak now, where he's won three points races in a row, four races in a row, he could have won several before that. So we've, we've already documented that But You know, you wonder how many he really could have had at this point. And I think when you talk about sort of the all time great seasons, he probably would have needed a, a couple of those to really match up. But on the other hand, if he keeps up this pace, I mean, he certainly doesn't look like he's slowing down anytime soon, and you're going to think he's going to be the favorite for every upcoming race, every conceivable track, (laughs) right? Yeah, I mean, just about, maybe with the exception of a road course or two along the way, and that's just because, and it's not to diminish that Kyle's not a great road courser because he did win at Sonoma, but I think that maybe levels the playing field a little bit, but yeah, just about every racetrack we go to, he's going to be, you you think he's going to be in the mix. I mean, he he won Sonoma, and he was going to win Coda before that caution came out for the for the rain at random time. So, um, no, I mean, I think clearly he has the fastest car. Clearly he's the best driver in the field right now. He, his confidence is soaring. Um, everything that used to say about Kyle Larson, Oh, you know, he can't close out races. He always finishes (laughs) second, all that stuff. Not, and I'm not saying you, I'm saying people, everything people used to say. I've said this, this was a knock. I mean, this was a legit criticism was he was a guy who, his potential never met real actual results. Like you, you had moments where he looked good. He led a lot of laps, should have won this race, should have won this race. And he would win races in 2017. He won four races and looked, it was very much in the championship discussion that year, but he hasn't consistently put it together. He has not looked like this. And he is, he is very much looking like the guy who was the, supposed to be the next Jeff Gordon, the next Tony Stewart, who is hyped as that kind of talent. He is doing it now. The results are there. 
Yeah, and you know, I think there was um, some when when Larson, you know, sort of first came in, and and Tony Stewart was like, "Hey, you know, I think this guy's, you know, better than me," kind of thing, right? And and then when the results didn't come, people were like, "Oh, that was, you know, another guy who comes in overhyped, another sliced bread type thing, another whatever." And and people aren't, you know, they don't put the results up right away, and people are like, "Ah, you know, this isn't. Uh, why did I? Why did I buy into this?" Well, now. <laughs> I mean, you look at the way he wins, not just in, in NASCAR, but just everything he gets into and just the all-around racer he is. I mean, truly, I mean, it, it is greatness, I mean, that we're, we're seeing here. And it's still the early stages of it, so it's sort of tough to quantify. But it's not hard to recognize that we're in the middle of seeing something really special. Uh, that doesn't mean it's enjoyable for the rest of the field right now as he goes out and just stomps them every week. And it's, I find it sort of, uh, interesting how I think one of the knocks on like formula one, for instance, for, um, years was, Oh, Lewis Hamilton is just going to win everything every week. You know, it's just going to be Lewis Hamilton winning again. And right now F1 is in the midst of one of its most, most uh, unpredictable seasons, uh, where you don't know who's going to win each week is, I mean, of course it's, it's not a big group of people, but it's among two teams still. Yeah. Is it going to be Lewis Hamilton? Is it going to be Max Verstappen where in NASCAR, it's like, it's pretty much going to be Kyle Larson unless something happens to Kyle Larson. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, no, it, it feels like it. And there's honestly been times where if, if it's not Kyle, it's probably Chase Elliott. It, it feels like really at this point, you just pick Hendrick Motorsports and you feel pretty confident about where they're at. And I think that kind of gets lost in this too, is the transformation they have had in where, you know, Jimmy Johnson wins that title in 2016. And really, you know, there was times in, in 2017 and 18 and, and 19 where they were competitive and they looked, you know, they, they were, they were flashes, you know, and even chase winning the championship last year, it was one driver in Hendrick Motorsports, And it was like, okay, but what about the other three? And now across the board, they're all running, we're largely running well. Bowman is kind of up and down a little bit still, but still he's got two wins this year. And the transformation that Hendrick Motorsports has been able to make where they have separated themselves from everybody. And then Kyle has separated himself from his teammates. It, it's just a very interesting dynamic to me. Yeah, no, I know. It's uh, for a while there, you know, we weren't sure whether the storyline was Larson doing so well or just Hendrick doing so well. <laughs> Is like, are they, is it intertwined or whatever? And then you see him race his Hendrick teammates, you know, even, you know, like Byron, for instance, there was one restart today where it looked like Byron was going to have a shot at him. Byron and he tied for fastest single lap in practice. All of a sudden you're like, oh, maybe Byron can do something with them. You know, now that he's dispatched with some of the other teams. Nope. I mean, just, <laughs> just not, not in the same ballpark, you know, it's just, uh, it's crazy. He's just he's just on another level right now. His, his team, not just him, um, they do everything right. I mean, gosh, he was in fuel savings mode for mm. much of that last 80-lap run um, on a single tank of fuel, and, and he still like a, was pulling away by like five yeah, seconds. I thought it was great. We were, we were listening to the audio of Cliff Daniels telling him, oh, yeah, you, you got like a four-second lead, so you can just take it real easy here. We're good on fuel, and it's just like, it's just it's incredible the separation i mean we're not talking like a second second and a half or even two seconds we're talking four or five seconds which is unheard of it's crazy yeah yeah i mean i don't know i it's just uh but at the same time as we learned just last year 
<laughs> just last year, somebody yeah, can yeah. have a very dominant season or look fantastic. And we're like championship favorite, blah, blah, blah. Um, which ever Larson right now checks all the boxes, right? 100%. He's, you know, all the talk earlier in the season of Hamlin, Truex, yeah. when Truex won the 750 races, oh, Truex is the favorite, all the stuff yeah, as we've, we've talked about. <laughs> no, it, we've, we certainly, I mean, it looked like, looked that way. But, you know, I, I believe the NBC broadcast said this was a brand new car that um, Cliff Daniels, Kyle Larson, hoped to take potentially all the way to Phoenix, that they could use this one again for the championship if they make it. This car looks pretty good in a 750 package. <laughs> I would not want to go up against this car, this driver, this team in any sort of playoff scenario right now. But and again, it doesn't, we can see with, with Harvick, he was good all, all through the regular yeah. season, dropped off wrong time and it didn't matter. So we can't get too far ahead of ourselves. That's all. No, we, we can't. And, and two points there. And what you said is, is Kyle Larson is winning on a variety of tracks and with a variety of rules packages, even a third rules package. If you count the all-star race, it, it is scary. It doesn't matter. doesn't matter. The track doesn't matter. The rules package. It's Kyle Larson and that's everyone else. And the second thing it, it is, Starting to, it, I mean, this is Kyle Larson's season. I mean, he is clearly the, the championship favorite. And if you got to pick somebody, he's the pick. Is this going to be a year, though, if he doesn't win the championship for whatever reason, you look back and go, man, what a shoulda, coulda? Or do you feel like you let one get away the way this season is shaping up? That That's the question I'm starting to wonder. No, because I don't think you can say that about the championship anymore. You know, it's just so, I'm not going to say it's random, but it's so much about the sure. right timing, the right breaks in the, in the exact right races. Um, and we have seen that we don't really, yes, Chase Elliott, for instance, won the championship last year, but many people would say that Kevin Harvick was the driver of the year last year. And I think whatever happens this year, Kyle Larson is ultimately going to go down as the driver of this season, the driver of the year. There's the no big three. It's just, thing. Yep. yeah. And what you know if somebody else happens to win the title at phoenix you know uh, caution comes out at the right time or larson somehow doesn't make it which i mean is kind of crazy to think about at at this point but let's like let's just say that that happens i mean i i still think that this is this is larson's year and, and we're just in the middle of it i mean let's look at the points for instance at one point denny hamlin had a triple digit lead not that long ago it is now down to 9 points <laughs> Clearly, Hamlin is not probably even going to hold the lead in the point standings for another week. There's two races at Pocono coming up uh, to get through. Larson, you would think, is is going to beat Denny enough uh, in at least one of those to extend his lead. So, um, yeah, I mean, Larson's probably going to win the regular season championship, all the stuff. I mean, it's just it's just all coming together right now. I, I just I don't know what else we can say about the guy. He's incredible. It's interesting to me is, and I think this is a telltale sign of kind of where Larson is at compared to the field, is, is listening to Denny Hamlin's radio today, listening to Kyle Busch's radio today. They both had good runs. They, for the, Kyle Busch, for the most part, ran the top five for, for most of the race. Denny Hamlin was in the mix. They're running well. And you listen to their radio, and it's like you would have thought they are running 30th. Like they were, they were telling their teams they've got no speed. There's, they need a lot of work. That you could hear the frustration and the exasperation of like we're giving it everything we have. We're going for it, and we've got nothing. And it's just like, like they're basically almost like we don't know what to do here. Like, and that to me is crazy because 
Both of those guys are running solidly in the top five. Hamlin especially looked good. Kyle looked good in the beginning. And they, they're just like, well, well, there's nothing for the five car. It, it's like, this is like a sports car race. It's like Larson's in the prototype class, the, the, the top class, and everyone else is in the junior level. Well, I mean, I, it's, I can understand their frustration. It's, it's the car in those situations. Like when Larson goes three wide up the middle, uh, on like, I want to say the start of the race, but the real start of the race, cause a caution came come out on the first lap. So, you know, Kyle Busch restarts as the leader and you're like, okay, what's going to, what's going to happen here. And Larson just splits him, goes straight up the middle, just blows past him. And this is a guy that, um, looked really good and really impressive, obviously winning the Xfinity race yesterday or the day before. Um, I know it's Xfinity, it's not cup, but still it's like, it's not like Kyle Busch was mastered the track on Saturday and then had no idea what he's doing on Sunday. You know, if you give him a winning car, he's going to be able to win with it. It's still Kyle Busch, but that's a case where Larson is so much faster. So of course, you know, the frustration level, I mean, I think it's there for a lot of guys there for Harvick. Um, you know, it's, it's probably it's gotta start- be there for the teammates too, which I yeah, think is exactly, like, exactly. I was like, I mean, if you're Chase Elliott, if you're William Byron, William Byron's a good example too. I mean, Byron starts in the back today, gets the front. He's obviously got a fast race car. It's like, and you're seeing your teammate, you're running great. You're, you're knocking, you know, you're finishing the top 10, you're winning a race. If you're uh, Chase Elliott recently, uh, Byron won earlier this year. And it's like, it doesn't matter. It just feels like this is just, it's, how do you comprehend that? Like you're getting beat by a guy in house who's blowing your doors off. Well, and like Alex Bowman, you know, he signs a two-year contract extension. Um, Ally is putting a lot behind him. This was Ally's weekend, the Ally oh, yeah. 400. They went you know, all was, out. You know, yeah, like if any race Bowman wanted to, you know, sort of go and, and put on a good show and run really well, um, you know, you would think this would be it. The 48 team, they just weren't really there for most of the day. They ended up finishing 15th. Certainly they weren't, even when they were running at their best, they weren't on the Larson sort of level. That's got to be demoralizing, really. I mean, it's it can't be too fun. So, yeah, I think you can you can understand why the field would start to be getting frustrated. Um, Penske has sort of just been an afterthought. Um, even the SHR cars, as much as improvement as they showed today with Almirola and Harvick running well for a while, and, and all four of them were you know in the top 15 for a while, they're still not even close to what Larson's doing. Um, so yeah, it's just, I, you know, it's, it's just gotta be, I think if, if you're whatever race team you're on, Ganassi, Joe Gibbs racing, whatever. I mean, you're beating your head against the wall every week. How can we beat this guy? What can we do? What can we bring? And it's just the same story. It's got to get old. What I wonder is, as this goes along is, are we going to look back at, at Rick Hendricks signing Kyle Larson as some trans transformative moment in NASCAR history? Like, holy cow, like this was the moment that changed NASCAR history because you're putting a guy with his unlimited potential. We, we, as we talked about, this guy's got all of the talent in the world and you're putting him with an organization that isn't lacking for anything and is willing to spend any amount of money. It seems like to get you know that advantage. And now we're seeing it all come together. Now I'm talking like years down the road. This this kind of feels like we may look back on this and go, "Damn, that car salesman got got a hell of a deal on on, on getting this guy." And we know all the circumstances between Kyle Larson signing and everything and, and, and his suspension is fine, but he was always likely going to end up at Hendrick Motorsports. You know, it's just what they were going to pay to get him. 
And it, it, regardless of that, because it doesn't really factor in the equation, is him ending up at Hendrick just feels like this grand moment that is going to maybe possibly reshape NASCAR history. Well, yeah, I was going to make the same point as you in, in terms of like the, the he was going to end up there regardless of the racial slur. And then, um, you know, Hendrick ends up getting him for cheap instead, probably or relatively cheap compared to what he would have been as the highest prized free agent. Um, but I don't know about the NASCAR history thing. I mean, again, it's it's so tough. I, I find it personally really, really difficult when you're in these moments of somebody being on a really hot streak because it's so hard to step back and get the broader perspective. When somebody reels off a streak like this over a month and a half or whatever, two months, it really feels like it's going to be endless. And we saw that with the big three. We saw that with Harvick and Hamlin. You know, it just feels like, all right, this is going to be how it is. It's not going to change. And again, I keep going back to last year because I have to tell myself this, Jordan. Like, Kevin Harvick was red hot last year. And when we got to the playoffs, he fell off and it just didn't happen for him. And so as much as it seems like right now, this is it, this it Larson very sure. well may run away with it. Like, I'm not I'm not saying that, but I we, have to, I'm not, we have to pump the brakes still. No, I understand that. And I, and I not trying to ordain him as the champion. I am certainly not. And I agree with everything you said about the playoff format. And you have to look at things much differently. But much like Kevin Harvick going to Stuart Haas Racing in 2014, much like Kyle Busch joining Joe Gibbs Racing in 2008, and those guys instantly having success, and you could see it when it was those happening. shape reshape NASCAR history, though. Yeah, I mean, you can't say. I mean, look how at, so? How so? Okay, okay. So Kevin Harvick goes to Stuart Haas Racing, and he he helps keep that team at a very high level when Tony Stewart retires. Like that team is continuing to be elite when Tony retires and he goes there and it re certainly reshaped Kevin Harvick's legacy because now he won that championship. He never won. And it's also reshaped his legacy. And the fact that probably when Kevin Harvick retires, he's got a good chance of being a top 10 driver all time in, in terms of how people view him. So that is certainly reshaped how people look at his career. Otherwise he was going to stay at Richard Childers racing. He'd win some races and everything, but he was not going to have the career he did. Kyle Busch, Going to Joe Gibbs Racing, absolutely. I mean, would Kyle have had the success if he'd gone elsewhere? Maybe, probably. But who was the other candidates at that time? Was it? I mean, you you were you were covering it better than I was at that time. Um, you know, Richard Childers Racing had conversations with him, I believe. Uh, Ray Everham did. You know, the but I mean, him going to JGR with Toyota backing and everything going there. And look at what Kyle's done there. Yeah, th this feels like one of those seismic things. You look back and I go, wow, okay. It's like the perfect pairing at the perfect time. And now they're they're gonna they're gonna carve out their place. All right. Those are those are fair points. Let's talk about the non-Larson contingent of the <laughs> Cup Series field today. Um, I thought it was a you know, Ross Chastain has looked a lot better lately. I will Very say. Good. I I don't know what happened, but um, you know, I think maybe started at Coda where he had a uh, top five run. Um, I think it was a top five run, wasn't it? Or it was a pretty decent Finished run. Finished fourth anyway. that race, yep. Yeah. It and, even goes uh, back a little further. Sorry, it goes back a little further. If you go back to like Richmond, that's when they started clicking off top 15 finishes. And, and it, so it's just, it's been a gradual build for them. Well, I, I think it's important for him because, you know, at the first part of the season, it was like, whoa, this was, you know, he doesn't, you know, he's barely outrunning what Kenseth did in that car. And it just doesn't, man, what, were we overvaluing Ross Chastain, all this stuff, right? Um, 
you know, I think, you know, he's, he's sort of just steadily climbed, put his head down. Um, I've, I've been impressed with how he's running. I mean, he's, he's made a lot better decisions. I feel like than the sort of over aggressive Ross Chastain. And it's, it seemed to uh, paid off for him. Um, he mean, Hey, anytime you're, you're second to Larson these days, that's seems like a win. And he, he managed today's race really well. So I, I thought that was pretty good. Um, obviously we can talk about Byron, but you know, he's part of the Hendrick group there. Almarola. I mean, it was, it was sort of a quiet day because, um, he ended up only leading one lap. Um, you know, and that wasn't even from the pole. It was just later in the race. Um, but you know, I, I think that was important for him. You know, he, he's still 28th in points, but goodness, he needed something to go right, you know? So yeah, yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I was going to echo that. I mean, it just feels like a, a, a lost year almost for Eric where, you know, he's not having success on the track. He seems snake bitten. The performance isn't there. Questions are swirling about his future with Stuart House Racing. He's a free agent at the end of the year. Is he going to return whatnot? Yeah. I mean, he, he really needed a good, clean weekend and a good run and winning the pole, having a good race result today. That That's what you need. Stenhouse looked good. He, sh- he honestly should have been better than a sixth place finish today. Um, I, I thought, I mean, it seemed like he was really for a while there. They were like, Whoa, could Stenhouse pull the upset? And it seemed like he, he was going to have a chance to run top three. Ultimately it didn't work out. And then Suarez, uh, kind of overcame some troubles early. It seemed like, and he ends up with a top 10. So, um, yeah, it was, you know, those guys, I, I, I thought it was a little bit more parody than we'd seen today. It wasn't just like Hendrick, 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 Gibbs, 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 something like that, you know, and I guess Truex seemed a little bit off. Well, plus he had two penalties. Um, Hamlin uh, had a problem late, ends up finishing a lap down. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. It's it's uh, how much how much of the credit do you give to the rules package? Because I know we're going to have to talk about that. So maybe we'll just have to start transitioning into the old package conversation here. I mean, did the package help mix things up with the uh, different drivers up in the top 10 today? I think there's a couple different things at play. One is the rules package does throw a loop into things, a curveball, if you will. Two, we saw a lot of attrition today, a a lot of parts failures, you know, some big name drivers. Ryan Blaney had some issues. Um, Bubba Wallace had his issues. Uh, Martin Tricks Jr. had multiple infractions on pit row. They just never found any speed. Bowman struggled today. It it just, there, there was a lot of things going on within the race that opened up the door for maybe some different guys. Um, you mentioned Chastain, his teammate, Kurt Busch, another top 10 finish for him today. Ganassi has performed better in recent weeks. They've had more speed in their car. They're executing now. So that that's what they need. And Kurt is very much in that playoff discussion on, in the points. He needed those. He needed to get back. He needed a good point state, finished second in the stage today. Um, and, you know, you would ask me a week ago if I, or a couple weeks ago after leaving Sonoma whether he was going to get, you know, be able to get the playoffs um, by winning, you know, getting enough points. I would have said no. That's not the case right now. It looks like he may be able to do that if he continues this. Um, Ricky Stenhouse is interesting. We, we've seen flashes of him this year. He started the year off really, really good. And then he, they regressed. And Ricky was making mistakes on the racetrack. The cars weren't there. They weren't maximizing their finishes every week. Today was a good, clean race for them. That's what they needed. And that's that's another team that they're just kind of floating around this bubble. And you look at uh, Chris Boucher, um, 
you know, he was the guy holding the last playoff spot coming in today, and it seemed like he, he was pretty comfortable in that spot. Well, he has a DNF. You know, he has a mechanical failure, gets into the wall, his day's over. That that kind of blows this up a little bit and opens up the window of maybe somebody else sneaking in there that we thought was out of it. So you didn't answer the, the package. Are you avoiding I the don't. 750 I, truth I, or talk? I don't know. I mean, listen. Here, I'll, I'll go. I'll take the bullet here, all right? No, it's fine. It's, okay. This was a perfectly acceptable race. I, I like today's race. It was fine. It had attrition, which I love. I like mechanical failures. I like the unknown. I like it when teams have to kind of take care of their equipment. Um, we had some guys that were able to come and go. There, there was passing. There, there was that. Uh, drivers had to work to hang on to their car. It's a really hard to judge the quality of this race and whether the package was any good because you had one driver lead 264 laps out of 300, and that just kind of overrides everything. But if you take the Larson element out of this, I thought this is a darn good race. At the, for the, I have no complaints about it. Um, package or no package. I just, it was a fine race. I don't know what you're looking for. If you're, you know, out of this race on this track where honestly my expectations were pretty low. All right. Here's, here's my thing. Okay. <laughs> Is this going to be a rant? No, it's not going to be a rant. I know oh. you're trying to get me into these rants and I told you last week I wasn't going to rant and then I did rant and then people on Twitter said that was funny that you were able to achieve that, but this is not going to be a rant. My only thing is that I am really believing this this year that people see what they want to see out of these races. And so look, I want to I want to love everything about the 750 package because the general philosophy of it that Drivers have to really drive the car and it's, it's not just foot to the floor wide open. And of course that's what we want to see, of course, but I'm trying to be objective here about when it's a good race, when it's not a good race. Again, today, I'm not saying it was a bad race. It was fine, but there's a segment of the 750 truthers, my beloved friends on Twitter who I, I feel like they go so far out of their way to bend over backwards to say, see, it doesn't matter that this field is completely spaced out right now or whatever. That guy is sliding around. That's real racing. He's holding on to it. So therefore, no matter what, it's a good race. Okay? Like, this is good racing. This is how it should be. But again, you go the same type of race. Like, let's just say we did not know what kind of package it was. And you could say, well, I do know what kind of package it was because I can see them slipping and, and having to really drive it. And that's real racing. Okay. Let's just say this was 550 or whatever, right? And they were slipping around for some reason. Okay. Would, I mean, like, it, are you really being, are these people really being honest when they say those aren't good races and these are good races? I feel like they are, people are just going to see whatever they want to see. They're going to justify it. And no matter what happens, the 550 type races are generally going to be bad. The 750 races are going to be good because that's where people want to push NASCAR into going. So you see people on Twitter going, see, this is what it's all about. This is so good. This is awesome. I love this. This is what they should do every week. I miss this. And I just feel like I'm watching this race going, it's okay, but it's not, it's, if I, if I really am like miss, you know, if I want the 750 package to succeed, I really need to emphasize it when it's great and not oversell it when it's not, because then it's sort of like, okay, are you really being serious here? Like, are you just saying that? But I know what the answer is going to be from all my friends who are listening to this. They're going to say, Jeff, 
you're just not a real racer. You just don't see what we see. You don't see that those guys are hanging on and sliding around and you don't understand that just because, you know, there was only whatever, six cars within 10 seconds or whatever. And you, you know, you're, you're focusing on the wrong things. Again, this race was fine. It, it wasn't an amazing race by any stretch. I don't see how you could take this race and say, see, this is the proof we need for 750 races. You know what I mean? So am I on a rant? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. This is a hundred, oh, a hundred percent a rant. This is hundred percent a rant. Crap. I mean, this isn't as emotional and maybe as inspired up as some of your other. This it, this certainly qualifies because around. there's no winning. Like some of the rants, I'm like, I'm going to make my thing. point here. There's no I, winning on this topic. Too much attention to what they say on Twitter. I just who cares what they say on Twitter? The people on Twitter, you're never going to change their opinion. Who cares what they say? Who cares? Who cares that's, what they that's say? The, that's that's who our readers are. Our listeners what they are. Say and, is, and it's fine. It's interact with them, but to, like to say like, oh my god. Like, they're going to have their opinion. Let them be. I mean, at the end of the day, there's nothing you're going to say that's going to change their mind. So who cares? I care. I mean, I, I've, I've, I mean, that's, that's the pulse of NASCAR nation in some ways. Well, and that's the problem I think with NASCAR, I think in whole is I think there is too much attention and I am all for social media and I'm not an old man. We've seen the numbers. We know how few people are actually on Twitter. And we put so much stock into what they say, into what their opinion is. And I will, and my opinion on this is they don't, people on Twitter don't even necessarily know what they want. They're angry about this one day, one week. And the next week, they're saying something completely different. There's a lot of contradictory things being said. And there's just too much stock being put into appeasing a group of people on Twitter who represent a small minority of NASCAR fans. Yeah. I mean, you're probably right, but you know, I live on Twitter. So, and I've been living there for like the last, uh, whatever, 12 years now, I guess. So, you know, I can't say that I'm just, you know, connected to reality because I'm, I live in the Twitter world. So, um, that's what I see. That is my reality, right. Of what people think about things and, that's that's the feedback I see people replying and all the stuff. So that's that's what I go with as far as what I think the pulse is. But um, I don't know. I just in some ways I just can't wait for the the new car to come so we don't have to yeah. talk about different packages like every week and maybe they'll have different packages and then we'll get <laughs> gonna that say, whole thing all over again. There's going to be a whole different ball. Of, I'm I'm looking. I don't know if I'm looking forward to it. I am very curious to see what becomes the topic du jour with the next gen car. Cause it's going to be, I think in like the, after three races of the next gen car, people are gonna be like, bring the old car back. This car sucks. Kind of thing. All right. Let me <laughs> ask you, let me ask you a question here. And I, and I, I really mean this sincerely and I don't know the answer. Okay. So sure. I watched, you know, last week I was at the SRX race in Stafford. So I didn't get to watch the TV coverage and didn't get to sort of experience it just as like a viewer. Right. So this week I watched the SRX race at Knoxville and I really found myself just being like, I enjoyed it and I was entertained by it and I didn't take it too seriously and I didn't get mad about when cautions came out or, or rules packages or whatever. I just sort of took it for what it was. Now, where did NASCAR go wrong along the way that we all get so worked up about every little thing, me included, everybody included probably (laughs) listens to this. And, and yet we see something like SRX 
is because SRX doesn't try to take itself yeah. seriously. Like what? I, I don't know the answer. Why? Why is that experience so different when we watch these two racing events? I think in general, I think sports in general, everybody takes, and not just sports in life. I think everybody takes has instant reactions, instant opinions. And so people automatically think something is the best or the worst ever instantly. And the thing with SRX, which I think differentiates itself from NASCAR and really other sports in general is like, like you said, it is a fun kind of like, it's got this buddies coming together, hanging out, fun atmosphere. We're competing, but we're not like going on, you know, we're not going to go all out, cut your throat, going for a championship. We're not racing to win the Indy 500 or Daytona 500 in these marquee races. We're not racing to to establish our legacies it's just some guys um how do i say this kindly um guys who are retired are semi-retired and kind of you know just enjoying their later years and just getting together with some friends want to hang out and that they're just kind of they're putting on a show and i think it's really easy not to take srx too seriously when their mentality is hey we're just this is for the fans and we're gonna have some fun with this and oh if there's going to be too too many laps of green flag racing, caution, you know, and you get Paul Tracy um, gets crashed by Michael Waltrip in the dirt track race. And instead of Paul Tracy ranting and raving like Paul Tracy used to do, he kind of makes a couple comments and he just kind of basically shrugs his shoulders. It's, I think this is the nature of SRX where there's not this cutthroat mentality of, you know, we've got to win the championship and we've got sponsors to appease and we've got to do this. And there's a pressure all take all that away. And this is what, this is just kind of these guys just having fun. Yeah. Well, I guess that's true, but it, I think that it translates to the viewing experience too, because when you see that, as I think we talked about on the last podcast about the fun factor, you sort of have fun enjoying seeing the people like, you know, Michael Waltrip, he was having, he was so much enjoying himself the other night. Um, and you're just like, wow, this is kind of cool to watch. Like I really, you know, I think it's neat, but, you know, in NASCAR, um, again, like the stress level is so high and there's so much pressure and everything. Yeah. Um, you don't, that it's, it's just not the same. I mean, those guys are really, obviously it means something and nobody's happy unless they, they win. Right. So, um, it's the, it's the pressure of high dollar, big time level racing that comes with yeah. it. And I think that that's when you don't have to worry about that, you can have fun. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So uh, there was another uh, couple races today, and um, you know I, I I I watched the first lap of first few laps of F one to start off the morning, and then you know Verstappen had sort of blown the first corner there. Hamilton drove off, and I thought, well, that's probably that. I think Hamilton's going to win. I tried checking. I went to took take took my uh, dad out for brunch for Father's Day. Checking Twitter a little bit, you know, Hamilton's winning. All right. Looks like it's going to be Hamilton day, narrow <laughs> up the championship type thing. And then two stop strategy versus one stop strategy. Next thing you know, Verstappen, here he comes closing <laughs> the lead. 
drama, another exciting F1 race. What happened, Jordan? It was a reverse of what we saw in Spain, where Red Bull tried to stretch, a, tried to use this, this committed to this one-stop strategy, and Mercedes went to a two-stop strategy, and Lewis Hamilton was able to run down, then pass Max Verstappen, and, and win the race. Complete different today. Mercedes was dead set on we're going to have a one-stop strategy, even though the drivers appear, they, they apparently, according to the broadcast and some things I read, were, were said, hey, we want we don't think a one-stop strategy is the best way to do this. Two stops is the way to go. Mercedes was, no, we're doing one stop. And the way Red Bull played it with the undercuts on, on the when to pit guys, when not to pit guys, they put they, they pitted Verstappen a second time. And on fresh tires, he was able to cut into Hamilton's lead. At times, he was taking out two, two seconds a lap and was able to run them down and take the lead. And I think there's a lot of things here. One, this is a really big win for Max coming back from what happened in Baku and, and losing that race in this, fa you know, that fashion and losing a tire and, and building up more of a championship lead to bounce back and have the, the mental toughness to do that. This showed that I, I think we, we've talked about in this podcast, there's every reason to think now that Max is in this for the long haul and he's got the, the, the mental toughness to, to go toe to toe with Lewis. And it's interesting to see Mercedes now reacting to not necessarily having the fastest car. Now they have a very good car. Some weeks are the fastest car, but they now have a team in Red Bull that is able to go head to head, toe to toe against them. And they just don't have that safety net anymore that they maybe once did and you got to wonder if, if maybe Mercedes is feeling this a little bit. If they make mistakes, and those mistakes are now glaring because they're losing a lot of points. Hamilton's now back in the championship even more, and they are well behind Red Bull in, in the Constructors' Championship. Well, it seems like the Constructors' Championship isn't isn't even really on the table at this point. I mean, Botas isn't going to help Hamilton oh, at all. Yeah, um, A double podium for Red Bull, it turns out to be today and now Hamilton is 12 points behind Verstappen in the championship so yeah I mean it's it's going to be interesting to see how Mercedes responds as being the one that the pressure's on them now right like you're saying strategy wise every week going in they're used to being the ones where other teams make mistakes or other teams fold um and and now it's it's going to be you know how do they handle it how do they handle the ones being chasing uh, I I think they'll be okay I honestly think that Hamilton will still win the title. He's Lewis Hamilton. Uh, so until proven otherwise, um, sure. I, mean, I, I think, the doubt. yeah. So uh, I think, I think he'll be able to overcome this and I think Mercedes will as well, not for the constructors championship though. But um, anyway, I, I, I think it's fascinating what's going on over there because um, I, you know, I would have said, Oh, Verstappen again, you know, maybe he'll give him a, a little bit of a run this season, but Hamilton will get win a seven title and, maybe do a mic drop and retire or something like that. But uh, it's uh, interesting, interesting times. So over an IndyCar, look like Penske is finally going to win. Joseph Newgarden, he's got it. And then like he missed a shift or something happened uh, where he couldn't get into gear on the last restart. Um, Alex Pillow wins instead. Penske still winless. Is that right? Wow. Yeah, still winless on the year. Third race in a row where they basically had the win sealed up until a late caution erased it. Will Power probably should have won Detroit 1, late caution, then red flag, can't get his car refired, loses the race. New Garden last week dominates that race, starts on the pole, leads the most laps. 
interesting strategy there. His tires are beyond shot. Loses Ward passes him late, loses the win. This week again, wins in the bag. Let me let me start off. Today the win wasn't in the bag. He Palou was right on his back, and it was going to be between them. But he he had a faster car, it looked like, and he was well positioned to get that win. And if he got a good restart, you would think he'd be able to get away and, and get it. And he couldn't get it out of gear. That mechanical failure and done. 88 points behind the championship. Penske hasn't won a race all year. Doesn't feel like Penske's going to win a driver championship this year. And we have all the year about these young guys in IndyCar. And this is the young guys coming on. And, you know, you want to believe that or not, whatever. But it, it does feel like it. I mean, Alex Palou is coming into the forefront. He's got two wins now this year. Um, Herta's up there. Ward is running up there on a weekly basis. And Ganassi, to me, the big thing, the big takeaway is Ganassi's really since Dario Franchitti retired, hasn't had two bona fide ace drivers. It's been Scott Dixon and just this revolving door of teammates who were average to slightly above average. And they would, you know, win a race here and there, whatever. They haven't had anybody who's come in and had pace and had speed and been able to consistently run up front and win multiple races. They've got it now with Alex and Alex and Scott look like a hell of a one-two punch. So Alex Pillow has a 28 point lead over Pato award in the IndyCar standings. And I find it interesting that when you look at like the podiums, right? Like we're talking about Pillow and Dixon, Scott Dixon only has two podiums in nine races this year where Pillow has five. Mm-hmm. So, uh, it is quite the interesting dynamic right now. And you obviously can't count out Dixon at all. Like you would think that he's going to reel off a few wins at some point. So very intriguing title race going on over there as well as in F1. We don't really know what the title race will look like in NASCAR yet, obviously because of playoffs, but, um, for the, uh, championships that have like the season long thing going on, uh, it's quite up in the air at the moment. So, Jordan, it's now time for your favorite part of the week, the Was It a Good Race poll. I won the Was It a Good Race poll last week by 0.5%, I think. Yeah, you did. You did. Quite a uh, cheap little win there, I would yeah, say. incredibly cheap. I'm a little pit. I'm not happy. I'm not happy. You can say pissed on a podcast. Pretty sure. I, mean, I wasn't sure. I, congratulations. Well, I'm not, I'm not gloating about it. I mean, it could have gone either way there, but, uh, we are tied. Well, me and my team yeah. are tied up. Um, Your super squad. Yep. That's cute. Yep. Nine to nine now. Um, so far this season, nine to nine, all even, um, going down to the tiebreaker, which you still have. So you're technically still winning, but I'll go first here, Jordan. Obviously oh, we don't have, um, Nashville history to look at because this was the first Nashville race but we do have 750 history to look at. And we do know that people are going to say the 750 truthers are going to say this was a good race no matter what. So I think this is going to be toward the upper seventies, upper seventies, upper seventies. I'm going to say 77%. Are you shocked? Yeah. Like, are you feeling okay? Like, like, and again, I want to go back to what I said earlier. This wasn't a bad race. This was a perfectly acceptable race, but it wasn't 
memorable unless you're a Kyle Larson. I mean, part of his immediate family or something or a Hendrick Motorsport. Well, you're not going to remember this race in like three weeks. How is it this doesn't the- matter. And this is the problem with the poll. This is why I'm seriously thinking about maybe doing away with the are poll you saying after that this, this poll- season because people are voting. Stupid? The poll is turning stupid because people are no longer Thank voting. Thank people you. are not. Amen. I mean, some people are. Some people are not voting on whether they think it's a good race. Some people are voting on whether they think it's a good package for the races. So I personally think the poll data is being skewed. I'm not just going to say, well, I quit the poll because of that. But I'm wondering if the data is being corrupted. Not that it was ever scientific data. I'm not trying to sell that. It's a Twitter poll. But I feel like it used to be more reliable than it is. So I think people are going to continue that trend. There's a lot of 750 fans. They're going to say it was a good race and more. I, you know, I think it's going to be three quarters of the people saying, saying that. Um, and yeah, so I'm going to say 77%. Obviously you don't think it's going to be that high. Now uh, I'm going to take 65. I probably even skew lower in the sixties, but I'm going to say 65 and just feel comfortable with that. So you would have gone low sixties, except that I, I left you so much room that you're like, well, yeah. maybe I should try to come up here a little bit. Yeah. I feel like, I mean, if, if I was like a cheap person who wanted to take a cheap, ticky tack win, like maybe my colleague on the other side of this, this call. Yeah. I would probably maybe even say like 70, but I've got some morals, some standards, some ethics, mm-hmm. and I'm just not going to do that. So I'm going to say 65 and give you a little bit more of a wiggle room and not try to get a cheap win. Okay. Well, much appreciated, Jordan. Much appreciated. You're welcome. Merry Christmas. Um, so yeah, Pocono next week, double header. Uh, I would <laughs> think that we are going to just, I mean, I have, we haven't talked about it yet, but, um, I, I would think that we're just going to do one podcast after the, Makes uh, sense. the second race. We, we tried doing a bonus podcast for um, the double header at Michigan last year. Cause I was at the race. We did like a bonus one for subscribers only on Saturday. And then we did one Sunday, but it turned out to be kind of like repetitive. Like you, you know, the same track, same, you know, it's, I feel like let's just save everything for, yeah. The one tear down um, after on on Sunday. So we'll be back with you then. And uh, everybody, thanks so much for listening. We appreciate you as always. And we will talk to you next time on the tear down.